0: 18 minutes. Not a very long time. It's not long enough for a TV show. How about reading a couple of chapters in a book? I know you couldn't paint a wall or wash the car in that amount of time. What about the story of all the Bible in 18 minutes or less? I'm Charles Morris, and you're listening to The Great Stories Podcast. And today we're doing something special. I'm going to tell the greatest story, the story of redemption revealed in Scripture from start to finish in just one 18-minute message. Just as it's good to zero in and study the scriptures closely, it's also good to zoom out and see the big picture. Will you do that with me in 18 minutes? You'll just need to buckle up, because we're going to start in Genesis, but we're going to end in Revelation. So are you ready? Here we go, the story of the whole Bible told in 6 Acts. We're in a series called Unforgettable Bible Passages. And what better way to do that than to cover the whole Bible? And we're going to do that, I hope, in less than 18 minutes. Act 1, God. God creates everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, God made everything. And on the seventh, he rested. That's Genesis 1. Genesis 2 tells us about Adam and Eve. God creating Adam out of the dust of the ground, placing him in the garden, fashioning Eve from a rib taken from Adam's side, presenting Eve to Adam, who was very pleased indeed the two became one flesh. And that leads to act two, mankind rebels against God. The serpent appears to Eve and deceives her. She eats forbidden fruit, gives it to Adam. He eats. All spirituality flows from a correct perspective of God And all heresy begins with a misunderstanding of God. Eve ate the fruits because she was deceived by the serpent. Adam was not deceived as Eve was. He knew it was wrong, but he ate the fruit anyway. And God holds him accountable. And we're told sin entered the world through one man. This was the most decisive moment, the great turning point in history. Nothing will ever be the same. Suddenly they were ashamed and they tried to cover their nakedness. Innocence is gone forever. When confronted by God, Adam makes excuses. Who told you that you were naked? The woman you gave me. First he blames Eve, then he blames God, Eve blames the serpent. Judgment comes quickly. They're cast out of the garden. God clothes them with garments of skin, a sign of his grace. And now they're on their own. The world becomes a very unfriendly place. Cain kills Abel. Civilization spreads. Large cities form. Death is all around, Genesis 4 and 5. Things go from bad to worse. In Genesis 6, God intervenes. The earth had grown corrupt and full of evil. God calls Noah, who builds an ark. And when the flood comes covering the earth, only eight people are saved. We learn of judgment, but also grace. Now the line narrows to Noah and his family. After the flood, the three sons of Noah spread out. They multiply. Generations come and go. Eventually, they build this tower to express their enormous arrogance. God sends the confusion of languages at the Tower of Babel. People scatter across the face of the earth. Act 3, God initiates redemption. Something hugely important happens in Genesis 12. God calls Abraham, a prosperous, middle-aged, pagan businessman and ur of the Chaldees. God calls. He responds and becomes the outstanding example of faith in the Bible. You can divide the whole Old Testament this way. Genesis 1 through 11, God creates the human race. Genesis 12 through Malachi 4, God creates the Hebrew race. Abraham and Sarah have a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has many sons, the most important being Joseph, who ends up serving Pharaoh in Egypt. His family follows him there. They number 70 people. God blesses them until the day comes when a Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. For 400 years, the people suffered in bondage until God raised up a deliverer named Moses. He goes before Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. When Pharaoh says, no, God sends the 10 plagues. The last one was the death of the firstborn. So Moses leads the Jews out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea into the desert At Mount Sinai, God gives the law, starting with the Ten Commandments. It's there in Exodus 20. At Kadesh Barnea, they sent out 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan. It was a land of milk and honey. But because there were giants in the land, 10 of the spies said, no, we can't go. Because the people didn't believe God's promise, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Then God raised another leader, Joshua. He leads the people to conquer the land of Canaan, the promised land, and then they divided the land for the twelve tribes. Then comes the wild period of the judges, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. You know some of them. Gideon, Barak, Samson. The story of Ruth belongs in this period. God led his people by prophets, priests, and judges, but the people wanted a king. So God gave them Saul, who started well and ended poorly. And then came David, whose victory over Goliath made the women sing his praises. But David's reign would be tarnished because of his sin with Bathsheba. Then came Solomon, the king who asked God for wisdom. He built a magnificent temple in Jerusalem. But he married foreign women who turned his heart away from the Lord. That's 1 Kings 11. Meanwhile, the priests offered sacrifices day after day, year after year. A river of blood flowed from the altar. High priests came and went. Solomon died. The nation split in two. The northern ten tribes, led by a long string of evil kings, they were taken into captivity in 722 B.C. The southern two tribes had a few good kings, lasting until 586 B.C., when the Babylonians took them into captivity. The prophets brought God's message of warning and hope. Isaiah spoke of a suffering servant. Jeremiah wept for his people. Daniel explained the handwriting on the wall. The people of God languished in exile for 70 long years. It was a hard, humiliating time for the Jews. Finally, God raised two men. The first was Zerubbabel, who led a small group back to Jerusalem at the end of the 70 years. In 445 B.C., Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. Sometime after that, Malachi the prophet gave his message from the Lord. The Old Testament closes with a series of longing and expectation, Promises had been made, the prophets had spoken, the people were waiting. What would God do? Act 4. God accomplishes redemption. In a most unlikely way, in a most unlikely place, when the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Not just any baby, but the seed of the woman, the son of David, the one whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Shepherds glorified Him. Angels announced him. The Magi brought gifts. The angel told Joseph, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was baptized by John, tempted by the devil, misunderstood by the religious leaders, feared by some, hated by others, but the common people heard him gladly. He was full of grace and truth. He was the fullness of God in bodily form. The Bible says He went around doing good. He caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, demons cast out, the sick healed, and He raised the dead. He invites all the weary to come to Him for rest. He teaches God's Law, embodies God's love, and fulfills God's promises. He preaches to the masses, He speaks in parables, a friend of sinners, everywhere. Repeatedly, he tells the twelve that he will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men who will beat him and crucify him. He tells them that after three days he'll rise from the dead. They don't understand. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays in agony. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. Disciples abandon him. Caiaphas accuses him. Herod mocks him. The soldiers beat him. Pilate condemns him to death. He's crucified between two criminals. He cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And it is finished. And finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. One day he was dead. Two days he was dead. But on the third day, two women went to the tomb to anoint his body. And the stone was rolled away. And the tomb was empty. An angel said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, and word begins to spread. He's alive. Over 40 days, Jesus appears to the disciples many times. His message is, God is glorified. I am alive. Redemption is accomplished. Go and tell others. And then he ascends into heaven, Act 5. God gives birth to the church. For 10 days, the disciples waited and prayed, Acts 1. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes in great power with the sound of a rushing wind, tongues of fire. Disciples speak in foreign languages they don't understand. Peter preaches, 3,000 are saved in a single day. The church is born in Jerusalem and grows amid opposition. The message spreads through Judea and Samaria, then to Galilee. It moves across the Roman Empire as Peter, Paul, and other disciples preach good news. The church faces growing opposition, but rising heresy, troubles on every hand. James writes, Paul writes, Peter writes, John writes, the New Testament is completed. So the word of the Lord spreads. The disciples multiply. The church grows. Even in the face of intense opposition, the first Christians proclaimed this message, Jesus is Lord. He is risen from the dead. They say it to anyone who will listen. If you repent and believe the gospel, Jesus will give you power over sin, over death, over hell, and over the world, the flesh and the devil. Jesus Christ is Lord. Act 6, God completes redemption. If you go all the way to the end of the New Testament, to the Revelation, there we find pictured the final act of history, the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And it begins with the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what would soon take place. It was soon 2,000 years ago. How much longer can it be? Jesus Christ is coming again. An amazing thought, magnificent, thrilling, unbelievable. Acts 1.11 says that this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. This same Jesus, not someone like Jesus, not a group of Jesus scholars, but Jesus Christ is coming again, coming soon to Toronto, coming soon to Miami, coming soon to Beijing, coming soon to Edmonton and San Diego, coming soon to Auckland, coming soon to a city, a town, a village, a street to home near you. When he comes the second time, it will not be his savior, but as judge. He came the first time as the Lamb of God, and he comes again as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. When Christ finally appears that second time, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and soon we will be with the Lord forever. The best is yet to come. No wonder the Bible ends with these words. He who testifies in these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. That's the Bible. God creates man. Man rebels. God initiates redemption. God accomplishes redemption. God gives birth to the church. God completes redemption. If we imagine the Bible as a great sanctuary and every book in the Bible is a seat in the sanctuary, then we can say, wherever you go in God's word, you have a great view because you see Jesus everywhere. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I know we covered a lot of territory, 66 books written by 40 authors in three languages over 1,500 years. But where do we go from here? I suggest you choose a moment we covered in these past minutes together. Look up the root verses, consider them closely within the context of the whole story that you just heard. I think the results can be life-changing. Now, if you wanna hear more content like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also visit haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.